Sunday, that's tonight, but this morning we have an extra blessing, and that is we get the speaker for tonight already this morning, and you will not be disappointed. And I'm not going to take up a whole lot of his time other than to say that he is President of Freed Hardman starting his second year. He's going to have his second freshman class come in next week, and so we wish him the best of luck. But uh, today we have him as a preacher, and he's going to teach our Bible class and our, and our sermon this morning. So let's pray together as we get started in our time of study. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of heeding your invitation, your call for us to join as people of like faith on the first day of this week, to celebrate the resurrection of your Son, uh, the central moment in all our lives that give us hope and purpose for, for being and for meeting. And I pray, Father, that as we come from different homes and different places, and today there's people from different cities as Fried Hardeman's admissions crew is here. But wherever we came from, we've gathered here for one reason, that is to draw close to you and be changed, to be blessed, to look into your face, see the image that we see there, and strive our best to make that image our own. And as we do that this morning by looking into your word and drawing close to what we find there, I pray, Father, that we have a, a ready spirit to submit. The Holy Spirit within us and within the text will converge and cause us to be moved and changed and blessed by what we, f we see there with the intent of matching it in our lives. We ask you to bless Brother Shannon as he speaks to us, easy to remember the things he wants to share with us, and then to guide those words into our hearts through your spirit. Help us to not allow distractions to rob us of the opportunity that we've been given right here. What a privilege. And we just pray, Father, that your presence here and ours will be something that blesses us all. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It is good to be together. Appreciate Spencer. Appreciate the introduction. Wow, we have, we have some way back here. And uh, we, at, from Fried Hardman, are so thankful to have the opportunity to be with you throughout the day. If you want to be opening to the book of Proverbs, we're going to look at several Proverbs for a very, very practical lesson in just a few moments. And uh, I will say a little bit at the beginning uh, in, in just a kind of a real quick bullet format about some things about Fried Hardeman, but I don't want you to think what, as I start doing that, that's what the whole thing is going to be about. We're, I'm just going to just kind of bring some things to light as much as anything, hoping that throughout today, uh, between class or after services uh, that, that you would feel comfortable coming up to any of us if it strikes something uh, in your mind that I want to ask more questions about that. Uh, we have a pretty large team here from advancement as well as admissions. And we found out when we travel as a team, it gives anybody that has questions the opportunity uh, that we have somebody here that can answer the questions. We have, uh, whether it be chancellors, president, vice president, uh, associate vice presidents, and many other positions here. And so what I'd like to do just very quickly, if you are with Freed Hardeman on the trek, the presidential trek with us today, if you'll stand up, I just want all the rest of you to know who they are. And, uh, okay, and there's a lot, well, and, okay, and there are still some out working the tables. But you, be sure and, and visit with these folks and visit with us. We are really, really thankful uh, to be here with you at the Church on the Hill. Uh, we are thankful uh, to be able to share a little bit of good news. What I'll do is I'll just kind of start back at the beginning of this past semester. 
Uh, in January, we were blessed to have four of our students to sing at an honors chorale where 12,000 applicants across America uh, were chosen to participate in singing at Carnegie Hall in New York City. And we had four that were chosen for that, and once they uh, were there, uh, one of our young men uh, was actually chosen to sing the solo. Uh, we're thankful that each year we still have a very, very large annual Bible lectureship. It's the first week in February, so jot that down. Uh, it's free of charge. It's the largest free of charge Bible lectureship in the Brotherhood. And, uh, and, and so we would love to have you to come back on campus. It'll be like a reunion. You'll see a lot of people you know, and there'll be hundreds of opportunities to hear wonderful lectureships, keynotes, and, and uh, all kind of networking and just really a great time. Uh, if you are familiar with Fried Hardeman culture, making music's a really, really big deal. And that's a time that a lot of alums love to come back. And it's always the uh, beginning of April. And it continues to be a really, really exciting time. This is our new logo, our athletic logo. And when we brought it on board the beginning of last year, we had no idea how much publicity it would have uh, because we have many things that have happened in the last 12 months that's the first time ever in Fried Hardeman's existence. You know, we're the oldest of the, the 14 institutions associated with the Churches of Christ. We've been around for eight, since 1869. Next year, we'll celebrate 150th anniversary. God has been good to us. And uh, we just, we never dreamt that we'd have so many first times. We had four teams, athletic teams this past year, uh, ranked nationally. As a matter of fact, uh, our Lady Lions, they are the national champions of the NAIA. We beat a team out of California for the championship game in Montana. And uh, it really was an amazing, amazing run. Now, they're good every year. Uh, we, we're usually in the tournament, I think, 22 of the last 24 years. And uh, our coach was inducted into the national, the NAIA Hall of Fame this year, Coach Dale Neal. Uh, he is the winningest active coach in America today in the NAIA. He is uh, among if you, if you kind of lengthen out a pretty lengthy list of winningest coaches ever, uh, he would even be on that list. So young ladies that want to excel in basketball, uh, we are the place to be. Uh, we also were really thankful this year, though, that for the first time our Lady Lions softball team made it to the World Series championship uh, tournament, which was just outside of Orlando. And at the very same time, our baseball team, for the first time in program history, made it to the World Series, and they played out uh, in Idaho on the Washington state line. And... Um, and they ended up playing throughout the series and playing in the final game. Uh, there was a really good team out of Florida that, that won the NAIA this year, uh, but they played in the final game, and it was really, really great. Our engaged learning initiatives is what we're learning that really prepares students not only for the workplace, but gives them advantage for finding work after graduation. Uh, this team, as a matter of fact, we have a young man teaching your Bible class uh, high school Bible class right now. He's a student, probably a junior, I guess he is. And, uh, and he is the fund manager of this team. And so later on today, you will meet just a, a wonderful young man that's a free Army student. And what that means is this year he will be responsible for managing a real $1 million. Uh, this team, it, there, there will be 12 students that are on this team. And they have a very strategic way in which they are trained to invest. And uh, last year, they almost doubled the S&P's rates. And so we literally have people call us and ask us if our team 
of, of, high, of, a grad, of college students uh, would manage their funds. And of course, legally, we can't do that. So we don't. But, uh, but what happens is every one of these young people that are able to put that on their resume, they're hired like that. And, and we know it from reunions. We talk to them about it. And every one of them say, that's how I got my first job was because I had Clayton team. Jim Clayton is, is uh, one of the most successful businessmen in Tennessee. Uh, you're probably familiar with Clayton uh, Mobile Homes. And uh, that's, he's the one that sold that to Warren Buffett a few years ago. He loves Fried Hardeman. And so he's, he provides the million dollars uh, and, uh, and, and allows us, he takes the risk. But listen, it's a really great deal for him because he gets the profits back. And we do really well on those profits. So he's come out doing very well himself. We also have some great internships. This is a great uh, a young man that participated in an internship last summer at Oak Ridge uh, National Laboratories, and if you know about that, that's in East Tennessee, and it's a, it, it's a wonderful place to be able to do an internship. A lot of the internships are graduate and doctoral levels. He got accepted in the internship when he was a uh, chemistry major at Fried Hardeman in his junior year undergraduate, and not only did he get accepted to it, but uh, 43 interns were in his area and uh, at the end of the year, they had to present their posters of things that they found. They actually do science. They don't run errands. They do research. And so at the end of the, the uh, summer, he had to present what he learned and what he had found. And, uh, and, and the result was, out of all the doctoral students and grad, he won first place in this poster, and it came with a pretty nice monetary prize, too. Uh, we're thankful a couple of retention rates that, that, you know, retention tells how healthy you are as an institution. Uh, are they getting the value? If they do, they come back. Are they enjoying it? If they do, they come back. Are they feeling at home? If they do, they come back, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, last year, from fall to spring, first time freshman, our retention rate was a uh, institutional high, uh, 96%. That's high at any institution, but it, it's really amazing. But it lets us know that if we're trying to keep our finger on the pulse, that things are going really well. Even our overall retention rate rose two points, and it was about 94%, which was almost an institutional high also. But let me tell you the retention rate we're really excited about. The retention rate we're really excited about is the retention rate of students that come to us who are members of the Church of Christ, when they go through those four years that we as the Church of Christ in America struggle with being able to hold on to our young people, uh, we have uh, a pretty high retention rate of them coming out loving the Lord and loving His church even more. Uh, for SACS accreditation, which uh, we, we have to do a, a lot of evaluating and reporting, and so uh, we survey students one year after they graduate from Fried Hardeman, and we ask them all kind of things about if they're working in their major, uh, it, how long it took them to get a job, if they went to grad school, did they, of course, get accepted where they apply, all those kind of things. But since our mission is also spiritual, we ask them spiritually related questions. And so one of the questions we ask them is this simple, do you attend church? And they have four choices. Uh, they could put every time the doors open, or they could check 50% or more of the time, or they could check 50% or less of the time, or they could check, I don't go. And of the students uh, that came to us, members of the Church of Christ was about 80 to 83% of our population on campus. Uh, they, 90% um, said at 23 years of age that they go uh, most of the time. And, at, no, Yes, and 
90% said they go every time the doors are open. And 98% said they go most of the time. And so it, it really is, uh, is an amazing success. And uh, we, we will always be about those two key pillars of Christian education. And we see those intertwined uh, very tightly. Uh, we've been on the road a lot the last 13 or 14 months. This is my wife, and I want you to see her. She usually travels with us. She's not able to be here uh, today. But uh, what most people enjoy the most about our trek is that uh, when we open the trek up, we try to bring a lot of smiles to your face, and, uh, and she provides one of the big smiles. So let me tell you how this is going to work if you would like to participate. Uh, after worship today, as you exit the building, if you will exit to this side of the building, the trek will be set up. And the purpose of the trek, in part, there's a lot of things, but one thing is we just want to get to know you. And we found out that it's easier to form healthy and good relationships with people if you can smile and enjoy each other's presence, right? So we thought, what could we do that would just put a smile on people's face? So we thought, you know, I, I never see anybody when they're handed an iced-down glass bottle, small Coca-Cola, they always smile. So we have one for every one of you. And it'll be iced down by the time you come. And so you're welcome to receive it and smile if you'd like. And we would say we achieved one of the things we want to come today. But we realize, we realize that just like most of you smiled just then, some of you didn't. It works that way. And so we understand it's a little bit harder to get some smiles. So we also brought, uh, you can have a moon pie. How's that sound? And, uh, and, and we have, it's a mini moon pie, and we do have many, many moon pies, too. And you can actually pick your flavor. And so if, so if that helped, we have that. But we know that, you know, some people are a little bit harder-hearted, and that, even, even that wouldn't bring a smile. So we pulled out the plug. This is the best that we have to offer. And uh, my wife has made bacon on a stick. And uh, if you've never had candied bacon on a stick, Trust me, uh, it will very likely bring a smile uh, to, to your face. Uh, a regular comment is, I think that's the best uh, thing that I've ever had in my mouth. All right, and so uh, listen, come see us sometime. We have satellite campuses in Jackson and Memphis. Uh, we have a study abroad in Belgium, but of course where most people know us and most people come to us is in Henderson, Tennessee. And uh, this is the heart of our campus, and we would love for you to, to come join us and uh, come back and visit us if you're alum or if you've never been come for the first time we would love to host you a young boy is approaching a barber shop as he does the barber looks out the window while he's cutting hair sees the young boy approaching and he says hey guys guys watch see this see this boy coming dumbest kid in town Hey, watch this. He steps into the barber shop. The little boy greets everybody kindly. And, and as he's doing that, the barber turns around his cash drawer and he gets a dollar bill in one hand and he puts two quarters in the other hand. He swings around. He says, Son, son, come here. He said, Which hand? One? Only one hand. Which hand you want today? And the young boy reaches over his hand with the two quarters, picks it up, and he says, Thank you, sir. And he turns around, and he walks out. And as he does, the old barber bursts out again, saying, See, I told you, dumbest kid in town. Every day he comes, and he picks two quarters instead of a dollar. How dumb can you be? One of his, his, his customers there finished getting his hair cut, and he walked toward town, and he saw the little boy licking on an ice cream cone. And so, curiosity, 
got the best of him. He walked over to the little boy. He said, son, he said, I got to ask you, if you go in the barbershop every day and, and you're offered a dollar over two quarters, well, why do you always take the two quarters? He took another lick off of his cone and he smiled and he said, Mr., the day I take the dollar, the game's over. <laughs> now, you know what's interesting about wisdom? The interesting thing about wisdom is that oftentimes most people around do not really know what is wise, but once they see it lived out or hear it explained, it's always like that aha moment. The light bulb is on. Wow, why didn't I think of that? Today, I want to do something that's a little bit risky for a guest speaker to come in and do. And I understand that, okay? And, and so, all I hope is that us studying God's Word together will help us. But I want to be a little bit bold in the approach if you would just give me permission to do that. Okay. Try this. Keep coming. Okay, I, I'll speak in stereo here. All right. Why do people not like you? What if today we looked at God's holy word and we looked at 20 reasons people don't like you? Have you ever thought about maybe when you're visiting with someone you may know very well? Let's just say it's someone you're working with. And you notice that there's this common theme in their conversations. They're always talking about some difficulty that's happening in one of the relationships at home. And then they're also, you want me to just use the other mic? Cut this one off. Testing? All right. And they also talk about friendships they have, that they're always stressed. And, and you know, I, I've known this person for years, and, and they get on my last nerve, and they talk about things they don't like. And, and then they may even talk about things at church. You know, I was at church tonight, and you wouldn't believe what so-and-so said. It just, and, and they talk about people at work, you know, over in other departments, so-and-so. What's the common denominator of all those? Have you ever thought if you're one of those people that thinks, why are there so many difficult people in my life? Why can, why can I not have good relationships at home, at church, at, at school, in, in the community, at the workplace? You know, it may be that you are the common denominator. There are really things that people do and people actually get in the habit of doing them that they are relationship killers. They are drains. They are things that, truthfully, they're foolish instead of aspects of wisdom. You know, the book of Proverbs is one of the most amazing books in the Bible. It's a book where it's full of short, pithy sayings that are thought-provoking. But not only the saying itself provokes thought, as in, you know, even when you read the first few uh, paragraphs of Proverbs, he explains that you're going to have to learn how to understand a proverb. In other words, somebody that's never studied Proverbs can't just open it up in the first reading and under, understand it for what it's worth. We have to learn to think like Proverbs is presented. And so, 
So it is a thought that's being pre presented, but the power of Proverbs is that it is thoughts that provoke more thoughts. In other words, when we truly study Proverbs, we're going to find ourselves saying, wait a minute, I dealt with that last week. And I really didn't do that the way Proverbs wisdom says to do it. And so as we go through this, I hope that if you haven't read Proverbs lately, I hope that today not only helps us in relationships, but I hope it, it helps you kind of have an appetite for Proverbs. And I challenge you to read a proverb, one proverb, uh, one chapter of Proverbs every day. Uh, there's a lot of months, there's 31 days in the month, and there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, so it's easy to know what chapter you're on every day, just whatever day of the month it is, read that number of the chapter of Proverbs, and it can be really, really beneficial. So let's think of a few reasons, and, and here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to go in, in kind of depth in, in probably about, uh, say, four or five of these, then I'm going to kind of bullet several and, and close with, with uh, the 20th one, but, but you'll get an idea of what we're doing here. Why do people not like us? Number one, are you a loner? Proverbs 18 and 1. Proverbs 18 and 1. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Now notice, the man is not liked because he's a loner. The reason he's a loner is because he chooses. Notice, the man who isolates himself. He chooses to isolate himself. And someone says, well, you know, Maybe you can't help it. We're not, we're not talking about personality types here. We're not talking about, well, you know, some people are just more outgoing, and some people are quieter, some are extroverts, some are introverts. And we're not talking about that at all. We're talking about the people who choose to not have close relationships with, with other people. And someone might say, okay, if it's not personality, then why would anyone choose to not have relationships with others? Well, he says it right there. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. What, what does that mean? Have you ever noticed that the more people you know, the more is expected of you? Have you ever noticed that the closer you get to people, that relationship comes with responsibilities, the more that is expected of you? That's the way relationships work. And so let's think about this. If you don't ever want to be invited to a Saturday afternoon wedding, don't be close to people. If you don't ever want to be asked to come help someone move on Saturday morning, don't be close to people. If you don't ever want to have that spur-of-the-moment phone call that says, hey, I know this is crazy, but is there any way you can keep my kids for three hours? If you don't want to do that, don't be close to anybody. But the reality is, the closer we are in relationship with people, the greater the responsibility we're going to have in that relationship, relationship to share in life together. And so there are people that's figured out, you know what? If I just kind of pull a good strong arm's length away from everybody, I get to do whatever I want to do on Saturday. I get to do whatever I want on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday evening. I do anything I want Saturday, and nobody asks anything of me. And then yet that same person, at times in their life, will realize they don't have what's the most valuable. You know, when, 
when we think, what are the most valuable things on earth? Most valuable things on earth aren't things. They're relationships. And so it doesn't take long for a person to live and realize, I'm missing out on the most important things. Why is that happening? Well, the reason people don't like us could be because we were selfish enough to think that what we really wanted was all of our time and all of our energy for ourselves. Number two, are you a bad listener? Proverbs 18 and 13 says, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Proverbs 18 and 13 says, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Have you ever been talking to someone and you realize that while you're talking to them, they're not really listening to anything you're saying? Their mouth is actually starting to work every time you have just the slightest hesitancy, and all they're doing is they're waiting for you to finish, no matter what you are saying, they're waiting for you to finish so that they can say what they're going to say anyway. And, you know, it... I've actually thought sometimes when, when people are doing that to me, I've, I've thought about just like starting to say the ABCs or counting to 50, you know, and just see if they realize I have gone from normal communication to just saying things out loud just to see how long is it going to take you to catch on. You're not listening at all. Well, there's no way that you enjoy a relationship with someone who regularly does not listen to you. One of the greatest challenges we have in relationships is the willingness to listen to people, to understand them. You know, if an eldership is really, really going to lead a congregation forward, they have to be men that's willing to stop and listen on a regular basis. It's not a retreat once a year that says, we want to hear from you. It's when you're in the foyer, it's when you're on the phone. It's when someone comes up to you. And to be willing to stop. Not to hear them so that you can give a quick answer. But to just pause and don't worry about what your answer is. Just listen. Just listen to understand them. Figure out the answer later. Right now, just listen to them. If you have children at home, and you don't already do this, I want to challenge you to do something that you'll never regret. Tuck your children in every night in bed. And I don't care if it's a 16-year-old guy. And, and trust me, I grew up on a farm. I believe, I believe in young men growing up to be men. All right? But I don't care if it's your 16, 17-year-old son. You go into his room every night. And you sit on the end of his bed. And you know what's really strange and wonderful? That 17-year-old boy that won't say anything to you during the day, won't give you three words, for some reason between about 10.30 or 11, he'll just start talking and just be there and just listen. That's really not the best time to correct. That's not the best time to even heavily guide. That's just a time to be listening and then pray together. I've wondered... Is this a North American thing, or is this a cultural thing, uh, or, or is this more of a natural thing that parents all over the world struggle with? So several years ago, I was uh, in El Salvador, and I was, we had the opportunity to go into their public schools, 
and address various high school classes uh, with a Bible lesson. And so at the beginning of one of those lessons, this had been on my mind. And I thought, you know, they, they don't have all the distractions that we have. So I thought maybe their parents really do a better job listening to them than we in North America do in listening to our children. Because I know I, I'm around a lot of high schoolers. And, and rarely do you find a high school student that feels like their parents listen to them. They just say, we don't talk much at all. Or all the time they're around, it's always their parents telling them what to do and when to do. And that's, it's not communication. It's just communication is a communication to It's a loop. It's just a one-sided effort at communication. And, and so I thought, I wonder if this happens here. So I'm in front of the class, and I've got a translator there with me. And if, if you've been to Latin America, you know that a lot of the public schools there, it, it just looks like a picture because you have these beautiful, dark-haired, dark eyes, beautiful complexion, their, their, their skin. And even though many of them are coming from houses with dirt floors or just a concrete floor, their, their shirts, they wear uh, uniforms to class, their shirts are starch white. There's not any of us here that has a white that's more white than what the high school student will wear out of the dirt floor. <laughs> kind of crazy. And then they'll, they'll almost always have navy blue uh, skirts or pants on. And so it's, you know, it's just a beautiful scenery that you're standing before of humanity. And, and so I'm standing before them, and, 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 and they're all big grins and smiles, and I'm smiling at them. And I say a few words of introduction. I said, hey, I want to ask you a really important question. And so they're all ears, and they're all smiles. And, and I say to them, how many of you wish that your parents would listen to you long enough to really understand you? And you know what they did? They just smiled real big because the translator hadn't spoken yet. And, and then, then the translator began speaking. Now keep in mind, every one of them are still, they're still grinning from ear to ear. And the translator starts asking that question to them. And it's just like you took an eraser. All the smiles went away. And when he finished that question, how many of you wish your parents would listen to you long enough to understand you? Every hand, there was, most of the kids in there were 17 years old. Every hand, extended elbow, shot straight up. Please believe me when I tell you that your children want you to be a good listener. And it will change your relationship through the teenage years with them if you'll learn to be a good listener. If you're a supervisor at work tomorrow, if you're the, the owner if you are one in charge of a few people, I don't know the people that you're over, but I know this about them. What they would love for you to do is come in tomorrow and listen to them. They would love for you to know that you care what they go through or even how they might be able to do things a little better. Sometimes the reason people don't like us is because we're not a good listener. I just realized the back of this fell off, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to advance or not. Oh, we are. Okay. I'm trying to keep up with the time, too. Okay. Uh, are you quick to give an opinion? Proverbs 12 and 23 says, A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims foolishness. Notice that first part of that proverb. A prudent man conceals knowledge. The idea of prudency is, is the willingness to do something at the moment 
that helps the future be what it should be. Now, I want you to think about it. There are many things uh, that you and I would see in a day or especially in a week that we would see or we would hear that if you really stop and think about, there's no reason for this to be talked about for long-term sake. Are you comfortable knowing things that you won't ever talk about because there's no way it would benefit the future? Are you comfortable going to your grave knowing there's going to be a long list of things that I could go up among a circle of friends and say, hey, you know what I heard the other day at work about so-and-so? But why would you do that? It, it's not helpful to just jump out there and say, because I know it, I ought to share it. The prudent person conceals knowledge. Now sure, there are things that, if they're offensive, remember Matthew 18 says that we ought to go to that person individually and sit down and talk with them. But there are other things that there is no reason for us to bring them up. And yet, uh, when we do, that's why friendships are, are damaged. Matthew, the fifth chapter, it's obvious that this one is the only one that is not in Proverbs, but I couldn't pass on this one as we're putting this list together. Are you argumentative? The Beatitudes has this one that has such a powerful word, peacemakers. Blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. I'd like for you to think with me for just a moment about why people don't like us or why people do like us. If we're not a peacemaker, it's not very attractive. And it doesn't draw people into friendships with us. And yet on the other hand, if we truly are peacemakers, people genuinely enjoy a relationship with us. So you say, okay, what's a peacemaker? Well, let's, let's think about this in the most simple way that, that I know to think about it. What if we kind of separated those two, that, that compound word, just for emphasis' sake? What if we just thought about the word peace and the word maker? Like, like the pew you're sitting on. There would have been a furniture maker that would have made this pew, or, or the Lord's Supper table. Look how beautiful that is. A, a furniture maker. You know, when you go in your kitchen... You, you look in your cabinets, and what, what do you know? Maybe you built your home, and you know that you perhaps talked to a cabinet maker about building and installing your cabinets. In other words, what we're admitting there are these things don't just happen on their own. Someone has to make it. Do you realize because we all have different personalities, we all are, are kind of involved in various situations, but yet we all try to enter change and, and interweave our lives together. And so what we have is we have the challenge of peace all the time. But then somebody has to be the peace maker. You know, I, I think about couples that have gotten married during the year as they approach the end of November. Boy, that, that's the first wake-up call in marriage, isn't it? Toward the end of November, when, when you know, you're like, it's the first time you've ever gone through the holidays as a married couple, right? And so, you know, you're, you're about to find out what the two families are made out of. And, and so, you know, it's, hey, honey, you know, we, we always go to 
my grandparents' house at, at Thanksgiving Day at, at noon. What, what does your family usually do? Oh, we always go to Mom's house Thanksgiving Day at noon. Oh, well, they live three hours apart. We can't do that. Yeah, what are we going to do? Let's just call them. They'll understand. <laughs> so she calls and she says, Mom, uh, listen, we, his family always gets together Thanksgiving Day at, at noon, and, and we're just trying to figure out what to do. And, and all of a sudden there's this. Well, I can tell you what you do. We've been getting together for the last 45 years, Thanksgiving at noon. And if you're going to be a part of this family, you'll be at the right place Thanksgiving at noon. I don't want to hear anything else about it. So she hangs up the phone with tears in her eyes. She says, I don't know what to do. So he says, well, let me, let me call mom and see. And Mom, we, we're kind of in a dilemma. You know, her family always gets together Thanksgiving noon, and I know our family always gets together Thanksgiving noon, and hey, honey, don't, don't worry about that. You let us know when you can be here. What's important is that we all get together. We can do it Wednesday. We can do it Friday. We can do it breakfast Thursday. We can do it supper Thursday. We'll just all get together, and we'll find the time that works. That's what's most important. Don't worry about it. Hangs up the phone, and they look at each other, and they say, wow, I'm thankful that she has that heart. It's called peacemaking. The problem we have in our American culture is we are wired to demand our rights. It's my right, and I'm not giving it up. And that is literally... I'm not trying to give you an application. I'm saying that's, that is the heart of road rage. It's my lane, and I'm not letting you have it. You took my lane when I wasn't letting you have it. Road rage is always the absence of peacemaking. Peacemaking says, you know what? You cut me off of my lane. It was my right, but I'm going to hit the brakes. I'm going to let you over. Hope you have a great day. Peacemaker. Let me close. Are you an insensitive person? Proverbs 27 14. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. My father he grew up on a farm, blue collar worker, the best man on earth today, no doubt about it. He's the wisest man I've ever been around. I don't know how many decades he has read a chapter of Proverbs. He can't talk to you without just mentioning, it's, it's not like quoting it and it's not pretentious. He, he'll just, anybody that knows him just knows, he'll say, oh yeah, Proverbs talks about that and here's, here's what you can do. It just, it just comes. I remember one time when I was a teenager, there was an uh, announcement made at church, and Dad was making the announcements, and, and he just did that. And everybody knew. He said, he said you know, it's kind of like Proverbs says, and he just said it and went on with his announcement. My buddy leans over to me, and he says, I think if we had a problem with a toilet not being flushed here in this church building, your dad would have a Proverbs for that. <laughs> well, I went home at lunch, and I told Dad that, that Brent had said that, and immediately he said, well, sure. You, this proverb would apply to that, and, and he stated one. And so, my dad, he usually got up about 4.30 every morning, and so he went to bed early. But when he got up early at 4.30, he, 
You know those people that they, they, their feet hit the ground and they are up and they feel great and they're loud? He didn't mean to be loud, but he was. He opened cabinet doors. He would close doors going in and out. You would constantly hear mom saying, Roy, Roy, you're going to wake up everybody in the house. Well, one night, I was reading through Proverbs, and I saw this verse, and you know, I did a double and a triple take. I thought, this is unreal, because this addresses the problem my dad has, and, and it's his book. And so I went in, and I wrote him a note, and, and I said, you got to read this before you go to bed tonight. And uh, he did. The next morning, the house was quiet. And the next morning, it was quiet. Everybody in the house couldn't believe it. He's never awakened us since. It's been over 30 years with loudness in the morning. I close with that not only to make that point that people don't like that, but also close to say, you know, it does no good to read Proverbs if you're not willing to change lifelong bad habits. But what if you went in saying, if the Holy Word of God says it, I'll do it. And that's the way to change a life. Enjoy studying with you.